Welcome into the Chief Stone Podcast. I am Farzi Musugi and your host of the Chief Stone Podcast. Hope you guys are all having a good week. Appreciate all of you guys for downloading and making time for this podcast. Uh, not a very long episode. Uh, got a couple of uh, things to get into, but not going to be a very long show. Uh, we're going to have Matt Stagner of Arrowhead Pride. He will be joining us and a couple of news stories to get into with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Mel Kuyper recently uh, did a mock draft and elaborated, gave his thoughts a little bit. I'm going to respond to his mock draft because he has a very interesting pick for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I want to touch on that in this podcast in just a moment. And also, there is an update from the AFC Championship game regarding a Chiefs fan who had pointed a laser at Tom Brady. If you guys remember that, there is a bit of an update on that. I will get to that in just a moment. I am on social media. If you guys want to interact with me, facebook.com slash Farzin That is the Facebook page. Give it a like and follow me on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzin21. That is the tweet machine. And you guys can send me a tweet on there. Follow me as well. And make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and on Podbean. Hit the subscribe button, and there's also the share button as well right beside it or somewhere around that if you guys can share the podcast as well. I appreciate all of you guys who have been doing so, uh, spreading the word, helping out the podcast. Greatly appreciate it. Like I said, hope you guys are all having a good week as the weather starting to get warmer, but God, man, I feel like I talk about the weather at the beginning of every podcast. I don't normally do that, but... For crying out loud, I mean, it's just we can't get consistency once. Uh, it hit the 80s in Kansas City on Wednesday, and then I believe, uh, just looking at my phone here, on Thursday, the high is going to be 61. So, I mean, not warm by all means, but uh, going to be a little bit cooler. Uh, could be worse, but in northwestern Kansas... They're expecting 7 to 10 inches of snow. And as far as the weekend, it's going to be in the 40s and 50s in Kansas City. Uh, Sunday, they're predicting snow in Kansas City. We're closing in on mid-April, and we're still dealing with this crap here. Uh, which, I mean, God forbid Colin Coward ever steps into Kansas City in mid-April. Probably thinks people in Kansas City can't even drive outside in this kind of cold but i mean hopefully it it gets past this real quickly it's supposed to be in the 60s next week but god only knows what's really going to happen with that but anyway uh like i said matt stagner of arrowhead pride he will join us in just a moment but before we bring him on there is an update as i mentioned from the afc championship game regarding the fan who shined a laser at tom brady's face a couple of times uh, in that football game, one in which Brady threw an interception, but I don't think that had anything to do with the laser pointer because it was on a tip pass uh, thrown to Julian Edelman or attempted to be thrown at Jul- Julian Edelman, and it was picked up by Sorensen. So not necessarily the cause of the uh, of the interception there, but still, nonetheless, it's uh, something that is obviously not allowed and could do pretty pretty bad damage to someone's vision here. So uh, a lot of the media reports uh, are reporting that a 64-year-old man from Lee Summit, Missouri has been cited for shining a laser pointer at Tom Brady during the 
AFC Championship game in uh, the end of January, and the charge is disturbing the peace. The police report here says uh, disturbing the peace by shining a laser pointer in the direction of Tom Brady during a football game. And uh, according to reports, he faces up to a year in jail and a fine if convicted. Look, what were you what were you expecting to to have happen there? And here's the other question I have: is I I really am curious. How did they find out that this guy did it? Uh, because I, I believe it was KMBZ. Or excuse me, KMBC. Z is the radio station in Kansas City. KMBC, a photographer put it out on social media that, hey, this happened during the game. And I think a couple of fans noticed it, but no one, there was no big reaction to it until somebody, uh, KMBC's uh, photographer at the game pointed out, hey, I captured this on film. And laser, the laser pointer does look a little big. Almost looks like it's covering... It's hitting Brady's entire helmet. So not exactly. I'm, I'm curious as to what kind of laser pointer this was here. I'd be interested in knowing that. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I mean, yeah, you're you're just crazy for doing that. And obviously, a uh, terrible thing to try to do. Look, I get it. We, we're Patriots haters. We all are. But to do something like this, it's it, 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 this is just a game, man. It really is. It's just entertainment. And to take it that far, uh, you definitely deserve the consequences that are... Coming up in this whole deal, obviously he faces up to a year in prison, and like uh, the reports uh, say, a fine could be on the way as well. ESPN's Mel Kuyper, he posted his mock draft on Wednesday afternoon, and his selections for the Chiefs, kind of interesting. I think you'll be very intrigued by some of the picks here. His top pick, 29th overall for the Chiefs, LSU cornerback Greedy Williams, in round one, Mississippi State center Elton Jenkins with the 61st pick and then two picks later with the other second round pick, Florida edge rusher, I believe his name is pronounced Jichai Polite. Again, that is with the 63rd pick. Those are the two second round picks. So he's got cornerback, center, obviously in an attempt to replace Mitch Morris, who has now moved on to the Buffalo Bills, and then... Jachi Polite, I think that's an interesting one, considering that the Chiefs went out and signed Alex Okafor and traded for Emmanuel Ugba, and I think a lot of people have mixed opinions as to what the Chiefs would do at that position. I don't think the Chiefs are going to go for an edge rusher with the first two rounds, uh, in which they have three picks, but like I said in the last podcast, man, uh, we've seen surprises uh, when we had Justin Houston and D, uh, excuse me, Justin Houston and Tom Bahali, the Chiefs drafted D Ford with their first round pick in 2014, so... We'll see exactly what ends up happening, uh, but I don't know if the Chiefs are going to go for an edge rusher. Again, we've seen surprises here, but uh, unless there's a really good edge rusher that continues to slip in the draft for whatever reason to the Chiefs in the late second round, then yeah, maybe I can see them pulling the trigger on that, but I think it would need to be someone really good who is surprisingly slipping uh, in order for the Chiefs to make that kind of move. Now, he does do a third-round pick, and I think this one's very interesting. Texas A&M running back, Travion Williams. And that is with the 92nd overall selection. Uh, 
And by the way, uh, 24-7 Sports is noting that Kuiper has mocked Williams to Kansas City in previous drafts. Uh, but apparently there was some question over whether or not he'll still be available at pick 29. That is Greedy Williams, that is not Travion Williams, but Greedy Williams. Uh, but the Travion Williams pick, that is pretty interesting. Here are some of his numbers from college at Texas A&M. And it's also worth noting, noting by the way, that he is foregoing his senior year. His freshman year in 2016 ran for 1,000 yards, just a little more than 1,000 yards, 8 touchdowns. And he had 19 receptions for 91 yards. His sophomore year in 2017, bit of a step back, 798 yards, 8 touchdowns once again. Uh, was a little bit more active in the receiving game. 20 catches, 1 reception more, but more yardage there, 192 yards. And then his uh, junior year, ran the ball quite a lot, 271 times. Ran for 1,760 yards and 18 touchdowns. He had... 16 touchdowns his first two years, uh, just at the running back position, uh, uh, just just rushing touchdowns. He got 18 alone on the ground in 2018, and he also had a, t- a receiving touchdown to go with his 27 receptions for 278 yards. He was third in the nation in rushing yards last year. Now, again, this is a third-round projection from Mel Kuyper, and I, I've said it before, I mean, that, those, thir- those third-round picks, man, uh, for whatever reason, the Chiefs seem to be very, very fortunate, very lucky, too. I, I mean, luck has a lot to do with it sometimes in these drafts, man, uh, with, with guys who just end up falling to you. Uh, keep in mind, this is going to be a late third-round pick because of Kansas City's uh, placement uh, at the end of the year. So we've got a, a late first-round pick, two late second-round picks, the other one coming from the LA Rams, and then a late third-round pick. So uh, these are all very late picks, but again, uh, like I said before, especially with the 2016 comparison and Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill being drafted outside of the first round, uh, and I know Tyreek Hill had some issues in, in college with the incident, I, I'm aware of that, but uh, still, uh, to be able to find two first round, or to top 10 quality guys now looking back, as we brought up last podcast, you know this Chiefs football team is going to find some, some, some good players. Uh, they may not be top five, top 10, top 20 guys, but they'll find some good players that years down the road, will look back and say, man, these guys should have never came to Kansas city. They should have been taken way sooner in the, uh, in the draft. So I trust Kansas city. I trust Brett Veach and everyone else in that front office. I know John Dorsey had a knack for finding really good talent in the late rounds. Uh, but Brett Veach also had a hand in that. So I, I do have a lot of faith in Kansas city's front office in finding these guys and. Again, I, I, I say this a lot, but it's worth saying, Andy Reid, this is a guy who knows how to bring up the best in all the players that he has coached. You thought Jamal Charles was great before Andy Reid got here, and we talked about this a little bit when we mentioned Jamal Charles and possibly being in the Hall of Fame or not with the comments he recently said on TMZ, but his numbers went up when Andy Reid got here, and they were already up very high, but... They went up even more, and that's no accident with Andy Reid and the way he used a guy like Jamal Charles. Imagine if Jamal Charles played his entire career under Andy Reid. What kind of numbers? I mean, I I don't think there would be a debate at that point if Jamal Charles was a Hall of Famer or not. The types of numbers that he put up under Andy Reid, really good numbers. Alex Smith had some good years before coming to Kansas City while he was in San Francisco, but when he got traded to Kansas City, he put up some of the best numbers of his career under Andy Reid. Again, I don't think that's an accident. Uh, 
I, I think this is kind of an interesting topic to have. I don't want to get too detailed into this, but what if the Chiefs did draft Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes ends up going to Houston? Uh, the Texans end up uh, trading up with the 12th pick to get Patrick Mahomes. Do you think Patrick Mahomes has similar success under Bill O'Brien? Do you think Deshaun Watson, the way he's playing in Houston, would be the same in Kansas City? Uh, I, I think Patrick Mahomes, I, I still think he would do well in Houston, but I don't think he would put up, put up these astronomical numbers as a Texan. And I think Deshaun Watson would have way better numbers in Kansas City. He, he had a really good rookie season before his injury, but the way that Bill O'Brien used him this year and with all those sacks he took, I don't think Deshaun Watson would be taking all those sacks if Andy Reid was his head coach. And it's still baffling to to me as we continue to discuss this kind of thing that Andy Reid doesn't have a championship yet. He's been to one Super Bowl. He's been close so many times. He's been to, what, five NFC championships? And he finally got to an AFC title game in Kansas City. So six conference championship appearances and no Super Bowl to show for it. But a lot of people are thinking that that, that the Super Bowl ring is finally on the way for Andy Reid. Long overdue. Uh, the guy really does bring out the best in players. Very few coaches are able to do this kind of thing. Listen, there are a lot of very good coaches out there, but none of them can do what Andy Reid is able to do in bringing out a lot in these players, having them reach their potential and even above that sometimes. Just when we thought Jamal Charles reached his potential, we were all concerned about the Alex Smith trade. We thought, okay, yeah, he's better than what we had in Matt Castle and Brady Quinn, but is this is this the kind of guy that can really help us get to the next level. Uh, I know the Chiefs didn't reach an AFC title game under Alex Smith, but they certainly made a hell of a lot more playoff appearances than they did with any of the recent quarterbacks uh, that they had. And that includes Trent Green. I know he put up some great numbers, but Trent Green only played in, what, two playoff games, one of which he was responsible for in 2003. But I don't think you can give him credit for the 2006 playoff appearance. So it is interesting that Mel Kuyper has that third-round pick, uh, again, with running backs. Uh, and we, we know the history with uh, Andy Reid running backs. Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy, Jamal Charles. And then when Jamal Charles goes down, Spencer Warren, Chuck Kendrick West do really well, filling in for his in, in, uh, in, in Jamal's shoes. And then when Spencer Ware goes down, you put a third-round pick in Kareem Hunt, and he does really well. Uh, best debut in NFL history. So... Uh, obviously, we know what happened with the uh, with the Kareem Hunt situation. Now the Chiefs uh, kind of have an interesting spot at the running back position. Damian Williams is there. Brett Veach has been speaking highly of him, and, and rightfully so. I mean, Brett Veach isn't going to come on in front of the media and say, look, uh, we need a new running back. We're going to find a new running back. You, you, you can never reveal your hand uh, to all these other uh, NFL GMs that are also trying to get the best players possible. So... We'll see what happens. Uh, I think Travion Williams would be a very interesting addition. I know the Chiefs obviously got Carlos Hyde earlier this offseason from Jacksonville. And, and again, I'll say this about any running back, uh, any notable running back that has starting experience coming to Kansas City uh, from free agency at least. Uh, Andy Reid just brings out the best in guys. We even saw some flashes from Daryl Williams after uh, Spencer Ware went down. Uh, Chuck Kendrick West joined the team a little bit late. Uh, because he was a free agent for a majority of the year. Damian Williams, I mean, he had to step out, take a breather. He was not the primary running back for the team to start the year. So uh, they, they wanted to kind of uh, take it slow with him as far as giving him the starting duties 
uh, to replace Kareem Hunt uh, and replacing Spencer Ware as well because keep in mind he went down. So the Chiefs did, did go to their third string running back, but they were happy with what they saw in Damian Williams and they extended him during the season. And right now you've got three running backs on your team. You've got Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, and Carlos Hyde. Would a guy like Trevion Williams be able to contribute and offer anything to the table? We'll talk about that with Matt Stagner more in just a moment. He'll be joining us here on the podcast, Matt Stagner of Arrowhead Pride. But man, I've got to say, it's um, it's a very interesting mock draft that Mel Kuyper has put out uh, for the Chiefs picks. He's got a cornerback number one, LSU quarterback Reedy Williams. And then in the second round, two guys in Mississippi State Center, Elkton Jenkins and Florida edge rusher Jachai Polite. And then in the third round, the 92nd overall selection, running back out of Texas A&M, Trevion Williams. Uh, again, third in the nation in rushing yards. And, you know, the combine, uh, pro day workouts, private workouts, interviews. The stats are great in college, but a lot of that means nothing when it comes to some of these workouts in and uh, all of these activities that are made available to these potential rookies that are wanting to make a career in the NFL. So we'll see when, what ends up happening with Trayvon Williams, uh, where he goes. If he does fall that late to the Chiefs uh, in third round, man, that, that could be the steal of the 2019 NFL draft, uh, similar to how the Chiefs got uh, Kareem Hunt in the, in the third round and Jamal Charles also in the third round. Uh, I know it took Jamal Charles a while before he was able to get some some starting nods in the NFL, but eventually he got it and people looked back and said, man, this is a guy who should have been taken way sooner in the 2008 NFL draft. A lot of people thought that Brandon Albert and Glenn Dorsey would have been the big impact players from that draft class, but no, it was Jamal Charles who ends up being the best player out of the, what, 12 picks the Chiefs had that year. So very interesting mock draft from Mel Kuyper. That, uh, that Travion Williams pick definitely has me curious. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Visugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine Two one. Joining us on the podcast right now is Matt Stagner of Arrowhead Pride, a contributor over at Arrowhead Pride. If you want, give him a follow on Twitter. He puts out a lot of great tweets, so I definitely suggest it. It is Stag DSP. It is spelled S T A G D S P on Twitter. Give him a follow, uh, and he, he puts out a lot of great work at Arrowhead Pride and also on social media. So. Go give him a follow. Matt Stagner here on the podcast. Matt, welcome in. First time on the podcast. How are you? Thanks, my man. Appreciate it. Doing well. How are you? Good, good. Uh, I've always liked your work. I, I, I've seen a couple of your uh, pieces over at Arrowhead Pride before. You and I, we were talking just before this. Uh, you've been with the uh, with the website for uh, more than a decade, it feels like. And it's really cool to see how Arrowhead Pride has really just evolved over the years. Uh, obviously, probably one of the bigger SB Nation websites. Uh, I'm just kind of curious, you've been with the website since, I believe, the inception, the really beginning of of Arrowhead Pride. What's it been like just to kind of see that website evolve over time uh, while you've been there? Uh, It's been great. I mean, the people there are tremendous, uh, especially uh, now. I think we've we've added some folks that have taken it up a notch. Uh, Joel Thorman was one of the the godfather, the the blog father, I mean, as we call him, (laughs) Uh, Joel did a great job getting the, the site off the ground, the co- taking it from concept to, to a, a tremendous fan site, got a huge following that way. And then when Pete Sweeney took over, uh, I think we really saw the site take the next step uh, into uh, really being a serious uh, uh, you know, Chiefs news site where we have uh, guys like Ken Swanson, Matt Lane, Craig Stout, uh, and others that are contributing 
uh, really significant content podcast. Uh, and then with the agreement with uh, 610, uh, doing a, a lot of good work there on the radio as well. So, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun uh, to see it grow and evolve. And I, I know there's a lot more coming. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, Arrowhead Price produced some really good writers on there. I know BJ's with the Chiefs. I know Seth's uh, doing his thing with The Athletic. Uh, and, and obviously, you mentioned Pete. He was with the Chiefs and now is at Arrowhead Pride, uh, pretty much doing what Joel was doing. So it's very cool to see. I mean, there, there are a lot of familiar names from Arrowhead Pride. And we've had Joel on the podcast a couple of times. It's been a while, but he's been a guest on the podcast before. So uh, very cool to see. Uh, uh, hey, uh, there are a lot of things that I want to get into uh, here on this discussion with you, Matt. But uh, I just kind of want to start with this because it has been the hot topic last off season to me. A lot of people were excited about Patrick Mahomes, and I follow that as well. Uh, and I know I was in the minority in this, but there was that small part of me that was kind of nervous because it's that transition, and there was always that, hey, what if he's just being overhyped and this ends up being one big bust? And obviously he nullified all of those concerns for anyone that had those concerns. Again, I know it's not many people, but... Uh, I kind of feel the same way with this defense going into 2019. Yeah, a lot of nice changes, but uh, change can be great, but it can also be a little concerning. You've got Tyron Matthew. You've got a lot of other guys on, on this defense, new defense, where you've got Bashad Breland, uh, Damian Wilson, Alex Okafor, Emmanuel Ugba. Uh, not playmakers I mean, outside of Tyron Matthew, but these guys aren't backup type of players either. I mean, these are guys who can start on any of the 32 NFL teams if uh, if they have an open spot. So I, I, I'm just kind of curious, what are your thoughts in the fact that this was a 31st-ranked defense? It's not too hard to improve from that. Uh, what are your expectations? What are your thoughts with this defense moving forward? Yeah, I, I think it's tough for everybody to see a team that was so close to the Super Bowl last year uh, do a complete strip down and rebuild on the defensive side of the football. As, as many challenges as they had on that side of the ball – I think we probably should have expected a lot of change. I don't think anybody quite expected as much change as what we got. But I think you're seeing a, a new philosophy, a new way to construct a defense uh, that's not necessarily built around uh, a handful of, of superstars uh, like Houston and Ford and Barry, but, but more of a rotation of guys that can all contribute, that can all uh, do exactly the roles that they're assigned uh, that the the coordinator wants to see out of them. So I do think it's more of a team approach to, to building the defense, spreading the resources out, uh, having a, a, a big-time rotation, especially in the front seven. I also think there's more of a shift to the focus on the secondary. Um, I think in the past you invest all of your resources on the pass rush uh, and try to piece together a secondary and hope that the pass rush gets there in time. I do feel like this year there's an emphasis on, on coverage uh, and an emphasis on having um, competency in the secondary that will allow the pass rush to get home. Uh, and the pass rush is going to be a little bit different focus this year as opposed to having two guys that have to beat uh, their man on the edge and arc to the quarterback and hope they get there in time. You're going to see a lot more stunts. You're going to see a lot more discipline on the front seven. Uh, and the coaching staff, I'm basing this almost entirely on the coaching staff they've brought in. It's very clear uh, what they're looking to do. Uh, and I think the guys that they're, they've been bringing in speak to that. They all have the strength. Uh, they all, they're all you know tall, long uh, guys on the front seven. Uh, none of them superstars in their own right, but they can form a pretty mean rotation. 
And they're all guys that can line up inside and outside a little bit too. So I think you're going to have a more unpredictable defense uh, with still uh, an emphasis on discipline. I don't know uh, if you've ever gone back and rewatched the AFC Championship game or watched highlights of it, but man, it was just so frustrating. 13 of 19 third down conversions and in overtime allowing three third down conversions, all of them on third and long. Uh, I remember there was one play where Brady found a wide-open player to his left, and he had two more wide-open players to his right that he missed, and quite honestly were better options. Uh, I mean, this was just a really, really frustrating defense to watch, yet they co-led the NFL in sacks with 52. I don't know if they're going to be able to repeat that kind of performance, having a high sack total in 2019. Uh, Improvement, look, it's not too hard for the 31st-ranked defense, but... Uh, was it just hard for you to believe that this defense was leading the league in, in sacks, but also second to last overall? Yeah, I think it's a real anom- anomaly in the history of the NFL. I mean, it's 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 very unusual to have a defense overall performing so poorly, but to be so uh, elite when it comes to pass rush, because that's always been important. I think in today's NFL, with the evolution of the passing game, uh, one maybe subtle change or that we expect from a Spagnuolo defense compared to uh, what we've seen before is Bob Sutton used to like to trot out three safeties and uh, Spagnuolo is often going with three corners. Uh, and so just having an additional corner uh, on the field, I think is going to help in terms of coverage. Uh, and obviously they're looking for enough, uh, enough competent bodies back there uh, to get the job done. Uh, but you, you really saw an emphasis on on the secondary early on uh, with the addition of Tyron Matthew, but also uh, their pursuit of Earl Thomas. So it'll be interesting to see if they continue to look to add uh, additional safeties. Uh, but I, I think we all are in agreement that there's going to be a focus on corners and a focus on coverage. And then, yes, hopefully the defense won't feel so helpless to watch. <laughs> you yeah. know, when, when it, it really felt like even the coordinators were sitting back uh, feeling like it was inevitable uh, to, to see the other team march down the field. Yeah, that was just a, a really difficult defense. It's like they had some really amazing moments. Uh, I mean, in that AFC Championship game, they came away with some big stops. Uh, I mean, Sorensen made a big stop. I remember he and... Um, uh, Anthony Hitchens, they teamed up on a fourth down stop, stuffing a run. I, I mean, two guys who were unlikely to do that during the season. I remember in that Broncos Monday Night Football comeback, the defense came up with a lot of stops in that fourth quarter. Uh, and without them, they don't. They, the Chiefs don't win that football game. It, but then there, there were times where they just collapsed, and it was difficult to uh, to really have faith in this defense. So uh, it, hopefully, you can have that consistency, yeah. man. Yeah, that is the frustrating part is that the defense wasn't all bad. They certainly had the ability to make plays, and we saw them do it from time to time. Uh, They just couldn't get off the field in some critical situations. And I think they didn't have the depth or the rotation in order to to sustain success over uh, late in games, late in the season. So I think you saw some wearing down. I think you saw some, uh, you know, some... Offenses figuring the defense out before the defense was really able to, to adjust or do much about it. And then when they were overmatched from a personnel perspective, they didn't have uh, the depth to rotate in or, or to make those changes. So I, I really think we'll, those are some of the focuses 
uh, some of the reasons Andy Reid made that made, wanted to make the change and some of the things they're focusing on and building for this year. I know everyone's heard this stat a hundred times, maybe thousands of times, but 50 touchdowns, 5,000 passing yards from Patrick Mahomes, which what was essentially his rookie season in the NFL. Uh, he did have that Week 17 game, but it did have that preseason kind of feel to it, if we're being honest, because the Broncos were just wanting to pack up the season, and the Chiefs, they were using all their backups because their placement in the in the playoffs uh, was not going to change. But Mahomes did a really fantastic job his first year, and I think the question is, look, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are the only other quarterbacks to have thrown 50-plus touchdown passes, uh, and as great as those guys uh, have been in their careers, they've never been able to do it twice. Patrick's only 23 years old, and there is anticipation that he could do it multiple times uh, the rest of his career. I, I'm just wondering, just for 2019, what are your expectations from Patrick Mahomes after having one of the best seasons a quarterback's ever had in NFL history, considering that was his first year playing? Yeah, obviously he exceeded all expectations last year. So, I, but I, th- I do think it's key to remember there, there's no reason to expect him to take a step back. In an actual level of play, there's no signs uh, that this is a guy that's done anything but the right things. He's on the right trajectory. Uh, he still understands where he needs to, to improve. Uh, I think he's gone about it the right way. So, yeah, I, I have no, no reason to believe that he'll be worse. Uh, I believe he'll continue to get better. Now, statistically, will he repeat the exact same numbers uh, that, that he did last year? Um, I, I'm not sure about that, and I'm not sure that it matters. Uh, because I think he's going to continue to evolve as a quarterback. He's already the MVP. Uh, it may seem like there's nowhere to go uh, but down from there, but there's no logical reason to see uh, or to expect him to, to to decline at this point in his career. Young guy, good head on his shoulders, obviously unbelievable physical tools, good offense around him, good coaching staff around him. Um, he's, he's only going to get better. What I'm looking for this year is is he able to elevate the play of those around him? Uh, so obviously uh, Tyreek, uh, Kelsey, uh, those guys had had career years with with Mahomes, uh, but can Mahomes take an average player and and elevate them to to uh, um, the way that the top quarterbacks in the NFL history ha- have done? So that's something that I'm I'm curious to watch this year to see if he's able to continue that progression. Um, and able to to drag the team along with him, even if you know, God forbid, Tyree Hill has to miss time or or, or is not on the team this year. We want to make sure that uh, you've got a quarterback that's going to elevate the play of those around him. Yeah, and I've ta- touched on that before, and hopefully we don't see that to the test anytime soon. But uh, you know, there may be a day when Tyree Hill and Travis Kelsey are not on this team, and you know, I I think that's where the real test begins for Patrick Mahomes is. Can he take guys like a Demarcus Robinson? or And I know Chris Conley's not on the team, but a Chris Conley-quality type of player. And we'll see what he does in a potential new role uh, in his career. But uh, can he take those kinds of guys as starters and uh, succeed with them? Have 1,000-yard receiving seasons with them? So it'll be interesting to see when that time comes. Yeah, you, you saw some hints of that right back in the, the Denver game uh, and some of the preseason action. Uh, guys like Albert Wilson... You know, yeah. I, th- I think Mahomes owes him, or, or Wilbert, uh, excuse me, Wilson probably owes Mahomes a little bit for his big contract he got, right? Because <laughs> uh, that was a guy that he really found a nice connection with. Uh, Robinson has had some shining moments with with Mahomes. 
uh, you know, guys like Gary Dieter and, and Marcus Kemp and, and uh, Byron Pringle, you know, in, in limited action or preseason action, uh, training camp, things like that. We've seen uh, them make some plays with him. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, I don't put any, any negative on Mahomes at this point for for not elevating guys. That's not what I'm getting at. But it's it's one of those things where if you're looking for the next level out of this guy, you may not see it statistically in his totals, uh, but you're going to see it on the, on the scoreboard. You're going to see it on the win-loss record. You're going to see it in the development of other offensive players around him. No, I'm glad you brought that up. I was actually going to uh, touch on this, and you brought it up again. It's the players around him and the statistics. Look, if Kareem Hunt stayed on this football team, and we've been talking about Kareem Hunt's uh, absence a lot on the podcast lately, especially with the draft coming up, could the Chiefs be looking to replace uh, Kareem Hunt or get that Kareem Hunt type of guy in this draft? We'll, we'll touch on that shortly, but... Uh, look, uh, if Kareem Hunt was still on the team, would he fall short of those 50 touchdown passes? I mean, I don't know. That's that's very hard to say right now. A lot of people are talking about uh, how Patrick's numbers took a bit of a dip when Kareem Hunt was released. But I think people are forgetting Sammy Watkins also got hurt right around the same time. Uh, but still, uh, I mean, the, the Chiefs were winning football games. They put up a lot of points on the scoreboard and they had a lot of success. I, I do want to touch on that running back position with you, Matt, because... Uh, I, I am kind of interested. I don't know if you saw Mel Kuyper's um, recent mock draft on ESPN, but uh, he has the, the Chiefs taking a, a running back in the third round out of Texas A&M, Travion Williams, who's foregoing his senior year. He was third in the nation in rushing yards last year, and he had 18 touchdowns just on the ground. He had one receiving touchdown, uh, but he had uh, 16 touchdowns his first two years combined, whereas his junior year uh, had more than that with 18 I, I'm wondering, I mean, that's a that's a name that I got pretty excited for when I saw uh, Mel Kuyper mention him in the uh, third round pick uh, for the Chiefs. Uh, I'd be surprised if he fell, but man, if he's available, I, I, the Chiefs cannot think twice. They've got to take that guy. Uh, what are your thoughts on the running back position moving forward, and who do you think, or who do you want to see the Chiefs go after in the draft at that position? So this is a really good draft for running backs. Uh, I think you can say that a lot of years, but there's... There's certainly uh, some depth in this running back draft, and there may not be a lot of headline guys that are going to go early first round, but there's certainly going to be running backs available throughout the draft and and even as undrafted free agents. As we've seen in the past, the Chiefs have been able to grab running backs from everywhere, you know, discarded NFL street free agents, um, undrafted free agents, um, and, and the like. So, I don't have any concerns with the running back group specifically today, and I, I feel really confident in the team's ability to find a guy uh, if they feel like they need to. I think Damian Williams was borderline spectacular coming down the stretch last year with 10 touchdowns after week 13. Um, he had five games where he had at least four receptions, uh, which I think is, is going to be really key for any running back in this offense to contribute in the passing game. you got to be able to catch the ball. you got to be able to pass protect. Uh, he can do both of those things. Uh, that's why they gave him a contract extension. Now, it wasn't a big deal, obviously. It's, it's the type of contract uh, that looks like a team-friendly deal on paper. Uh, but the team's been pretty clear that this is Damien's job to lose coming into this season. Now, they, they said that, and then they immediately signed Carlos Hyde, right? Uh, so they're certainly always looking to add to the position. Uh, running backs get hurt a lot, uh, so I think you've got to have uh, good depth at that position. They can also be key contributors on special teams. 
So they're certainly not done at the position. I think they'll add to it. Um, I'm not necessarily going to advocate that they add somebody in the first round or second round uh, of this draft. Uh, but starting in that third round, I think, is a sweet spot uh, for some guys like David Montgomery, um, you know, Daryl Henderson. There, there's a handful of these guys that, that can, can absolutely play and that fit the offense, that fit the mold of what the Chiefs are trying to do. If it were me drafting for him, I would be looking for a guy uh, maybe that's a little bit different. Uh, I, I think Brett Veach has been very clear that he has a type when it comes to running back. It's these big, uh, you know, 220, 230-pound guys that can move, that can contribute in the passing game. Uh, I might be looking for a complementary back, somebody uh, with some breakaway speed uh, that you can do some some different things with. Uh, so, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure what direction they're going to want to go. Again, I expect them to add to the running back position, but I don't. I don't think it'll be really, really early in the draft. So, who do you think the Chiefs will draft in the first round? That's a million dollar question, right? Um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I think they, they can go any number of directions. I think everybody here thinks that uh, defense has to be the priority. Uh, we've really felt like it's going to be an edge or a corner uh, for a long time. And I still feel like that's probably the likely direction. It's a little hard to tell who's going to be available. Um, but I wouldn't rule out taking an offensive playmaker. Uh, I, in fact, I'm going to predict that at least one of the first three picks is going to be for a playmaker on offense, if not two of the first three. Um, it's not um, not maybe conventional wisdom, given the, the needs on defense. Uh, but I can absolutely see it. I think that the Chiefs were looking for offensive upgrades all throughout free agency and, and trying to trade for uh, for some of the big-name offensive weapons out there. So don't overlook positions like wide receiver, tight end, uh, and, and again, maybe even running back if the right guy is there, the right fit is there. Um, you know, in, in trying to actually predict who they take, you know, you've got to remember the tendencies of Brett Veach. You know, he's a guy that's aggressive almost to the point of, of fault or almost to the point of being impatient. So my expectation is that they probably won't be picking at 29 and they probably won't have three picks uh, uh, by the end of the second day. Uh, they're going – by the end of the second round, I'm sorry. They're probably going to use some of that and, and move up. Uh, and, and I think there's a handful of guys that would be pretty logical targets – uh, starting on defense with a guy like Cleveland Farrell, uh, who I think really fits the mold of the pass rusher that they've been looking for. Uh, he would add a, uh, a little bit more explosion, but he brings the well-rounded uh, game that Spagnuolo expects out of his defensive end and his edge players. He's a guy that might be there at 29 or might be somebody that you have to move up uh, a few spots to, to secure. But of all of the pass rushers in that range, he's probably the one that's the best fit for the Chiefs. If they go corner in the first round, uh, I mean, the, the headline names are, are Greedy Williams and Byron Murphy. Uh, Murphy, I think, would be a, a particularly of, of interest to me if he were available. If he's not available, there's a whole range of corners that I think you can sort of lump into a, a class, a lump into a, a tier after those first two guys. Uh, Justin Lane, uh, uh, Omari Owarie, and a handful of other guys are all in this range of guys that they could use some development, uh, but have a lot of the physical tools that teams are going to be looking for. 
so I would not be upset if they take uh, one of those corners if the top two are off the board. Uh, so it's really tough to, to predict at this point. I, I think those are the three, you know, pass rusher, cornerback, uh, or an offensive weapon of some sort. I'm a big fan of TJ uh, Hawkinson, the, the tight end. Uh, I, I think he's uh, you know really an elite talent and, and the best, the most well-rounded tight end we've seen come out in, in some time. So he's certainly somebody that if he were available, which he won't be, but if he were available, he's some, somebody that I would be excited to see him take, um, even if a lot of people don't see tight end as a, as a top-tier need for the Chiefs. So I know you were looking for an absolute prediction there. I don't know that I've got... Uh, just one for you, but there's a there's a quite a few different directions they could go. Matt Stagner of Arrowhead Pride here with me on the Chief Zone podcast. Final question, Matt. Uh, Jamal Charles did an interview with TMZ Sports, uh, basically saying that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. He says that he has better numbers than some of those in the Hall of Fame, and I kind of use Terrell Davis as an example. Uh, Jamal Charles is just 44 yards behind. Terrell Davis and Terrell Davis has more than 200 carries, but we got to remember TD had a 2,000 yard rushing season with 20 plus touchdowns the same year, uh, and also has two Super Bowls under his belt, uh, including one of them winning Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Charles doesn't have playoff success, but he was one of the more electrifying and a very rare running back. Uh, look, here, here's my thought on this, and I wrote about this on Arrowhead Addict. I said, look, Charles will get into the Hall of Fame, but I think it's going to take a very, very long time because he doesn't have that postseason resume. And it, look, it's not all his fault. I mean, he did his job during those down years before Andy Reid, but it, 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 it's, it's just unfair sometimes. And people do take that into account. Uh, I think he gets in, but I think it's going to take a very long time. What do you say? Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, he's he's really one of the two or three greatest running backs I've ever watched, right? And and uh, one of the best uh, Chiefs of all time. He's one of those guys that if, if he were able to stay healthy and have a long career, uh, he would have broken a lot more records. Uh, he would be a guy that would have a really strong resume for the Hall. Uh, I'm not sure he's got enough on there uh, at this point. Uh, so as much as I love Jamal, I wouldn't bet on him, you know, being a first ballot guy or, or even a second ballot guy. So I uh, again, it's a shame. Uh, wishing nothing but the best, but uh, I, I'm just not sure the resumes there. And you're right; I think they do take in uh, postseason success, Super Bowl success um, on those resumes uh, that he certainly doesn't have. Uh, but for running backs, you know, longevity is also a, a big factor, and, and he certainly didn't have that. You know what's funny about that possession with recent history for the Chiefs? I mean, Jamal Charles, he was. Uh, probably the longest tenured running back in recent memory, but even then, uh, those two torn ACLs, and uh, it just felt like his time in Kansas City was limited. Kareem Hunt, obviously very limited. Larry Johnson, he had two phenomenal seasons, but that's really all we saw from LJ. Priest Holmes, uh, he mm-hmm. had a couple of really good seasons. and At one point, broke the touchdown record in NFL history. It's really unfortunate because I think if all of these guys I, I mentioned uh Larry Johnson, Priest Holmes, and look, Kareem Hunt, he still has a lot of time left. But, uh, I mean, if these guys play well, play healthy, or in Kareem's case, if they stay out of trouble and just be consistent, I mean, these are all Hall of Fame running backs. Uh, Kansas City's had a lot of good luck finding running backs, but just the way things have ended with these running backs, uh, it's also been 
uh, n- not the easiest thing to watch, uh, especially because these have been some of the more popular players in the franchise's history. Uh, wh- what's your take on that? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely had a storied history uh, through, throughout my entire lifetime of being a Chiefs fan. You know, we've seen some all-time greats, uh, and yes, a lot of guys with career shortened, uh, careers that were shortened by injury uh, or stupidity <laughs> in the case of, uh, uh, like Larry John said. But uh, uh, those guys have been a lot of fun to watch. I think it, I think it does, you know, call attention to the uh, just how difficult a position that is to have a long NFL career. It's really rare. I mean, I think the average NFL career is, what, four years? Um, and running backs would definitely be on the shorter end of that. Uh, and so it, it really, if you look at the Chiefs' current death chart, again, it, it's, it's, a, it's a process of, of gathering a, a lot of guys who can play uh, and, and a next-man-up approach. I mean, you have, to, you have to have depth at the position. You have to always be on the lookout for the right type of running back uh, and be prepared because, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, even the good ones don't last long. Yeah, it's a very difficult position, but I think one of the good things, uh, having Andy Reid as your head coach, man, uh, and, and I talked about this right before you came on on the podcast, but Andy Reid just has a really, really good history with running backs. Uh, whenever someone goes down, someone steps up and makes a lot of big plays. So uh, fortunately, that is one of the things Kansas City has uh, to its advantage with Andy Reid and how how much success he has had at the running back position. Yeah. Certainly a position you, you should have some confidence in and, and not a lot of concern about how they're going to perform uh, going into to this next season. You know, again, you've got some, some good players. You've got some guys with some upside already on the roster. Uh, again, they'll add to it, but uh, whatever they do, you certainly expect a, a productive, uh, productive backfield. Matt Stagner of Arrowhead Pride here with us on the Chiefs Stone Podcast. Give him a follow on Twitter. And again, his Twitter handle is at StagDSP. Again, it's spelled at S-T-A-G-D-S-P. Give him a follow on Twitter. Check out his work over at ArrowheadPride.com. Hey, Matt, uh, I've been wanting to get you on for uh, quite some time, and uh, I'm glad we were able to finally do this, and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll keep in touch and uh, do this again sometime down the road. Hey, my pleasure. I appreciate uh, you having me on. i always a, a fan of the podcast. Uh, Certainly uh, hope anybody f- listening is going to uh, follow you back as well. And, and yeah, certainly uh, uh, look forward to, to joining you again. All right, awesome. Hey, Matt, appreciate it. Take care. Okay, thank you. You too. All right, there you have it. Matt Stagner of Arrowhead Pride. Off he goes, uh, making some time for us. Greatly appreciate it. And, and good stuff from Matt. Yeah, you know, I, I've never really thought of it. And that was just recent memory with the running backs I mentioned. You know, I could have gone back further, too. Uh, Christian Okoye, uh, really great running back, but again, only for a short amount of time. Uh, Joe Delaney, obviously very, very tragic what happened with him. Uh, Marcus Allen would have been great if he was in Kansas City longer, uh, especially if he wasn't with the uh, franchise that he was with before. Uh, but but again, I, I mean, Kansas City's had, uh, they've never had such a Big number in terms of career rushing yards. Uh, Priest Holmes had the record, and then LJ almost broke it. But a lot of fans with that petition, they, they, that, I mean, they really voiced their opinions on that one. And the Chiefs admitted at the time that was part of the reason why they made the move to to cut LJ. And then Jamal Charles came in and and, and broke the uh, the record. I thought Kareem Hunt had a very good chance to not only break Jamal's record, but even go way beyond uh, what he what he said it at, uh, just over seven thousand yards. But 
Um, Kansas City's had bad luck at that position. Uh, they've had some really, really good running backs, some of the best running backs. I mean, Priest Holmes, one of the best uh, among the uh, among among his competition at that position in the years that he played. Same for LJ, same for Jamal Charles, same for Kareem Hunt. Uh, maybe the Chiefs can find another guy, man. Uh, it may not be ideal to constantly be looking for a new running back each and every single time, but... You know, as Matt mentioned, uh, running backs get hurt a lot, unfortunately. There is not a lot of longevity at that position, especially nowadays in the NFL. So perhaps uh, it's, it's, it's just one of those things that, hey, if you keep rolling the dice and if you keep coming coming away with great running backs, hey, uh, it's, it's only going to do more good than harm on this football team. But I do think that it'd be nice to have that strong running back to go alongside Mahomes. Maybe it is Damian Williams. Maybe it's going to be someone through the draft. We don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I trust that the Chiefs can uh, still succeed, uh, whether they have that power uh, player at running back or not. Uh, maybe they have multiple guys at that position this year carry the load. And even then, you'll still see a lot of production. Uh, it just won't be necessarily with one guy providing big stats, but you'll have multiple guys handling the duties at the running back position. Let me know your thoughts on everything you heard uh, from my conversation with Matt or anything uh, earlier in the podcast. Facebook.com slash Farzine Musugi and Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Big thanks to you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast. Big thanks to Matt Stagner of Arrowhead Pride joining us here on the podcast as well. We will be back on Monday to... Go over any Chiefs news that comes up during the week, and even if we don't have any Chiefs news, we certainly will have a lot that we can discuss as we are inching closer to the NFL draft. Plus, we'll have our closing segments on Monday's episode, so stay tuned for that. No guests on Monday's episode. Uh, We may try to fit one, maybe two more guests in before the NFL draft. No promises there, but... I know we've been uh, guest heavy uh, this month on uh, on this podcast, so we'll try to continue that. We'll see if we can fit in another person. I don't have anyone scheduled right now, but that can always change. We do have Dante Jones from KCTV5. He'll join us in May, sometime early May, after the Chiefs draft. Uh, he has already agreed to join us, so we will talk to him afterwards. But until then, we don't have anyone scheduled, but like I said, we'll, uh, we'll try our best to get someone else in uh, I'm always open. I never mentioned this before, before but I'm always open to suggestions. Uh, if you guys ever want a name, if I get a name repeatedly from multiple listeners, hey, you never know. Maybe we'll uh, we'll make that uh, happen here on the podcast. So let me know. Uh, feel free. Uh, send me a DM. Send me a message. Whatever. Let me know, and uh, maybe uh, we can make it happen. We'll see. Facebook.com slash Farzine Masugin. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter as well at Farzine21. And subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And share it as well with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Matt Stagner. I will talk to you guys on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. If you're going to get hit with snow, stay warm. Stay safe. Talk to you on Monday.